Third down and 20. What is going on? Welcome. Third and 20 Dynasty Podcast Take 2. Episode 37. Sorry about last week. If you were watching, I had episode 37 on the screen. It was actually episode 36. It's my bad. Screw that one up. Shout out Emily in the chat for telling us our Thank sound you. wasn't working on take one. That would have been Save brutal. Glasses. So, okay, we can kind of get back to what we were talking about. As Jake said on our first take, Travis Etienne, the big news with him is that in rookie camp, he was taking all of his snaps, I believe it was, at wide yep, receiver. All of them, not a single snap at running back, which is wild. And Jake was saying, okay, well, who does this impact the most? And what I said was James Robinson, because right now, James Robinson to the dynasty community with the draft pick of Travis Etienne, it was almost death to James Robinson. He, he is no longer going to ever be an RB1. His ceiling is completely capped. Maybe he's still like a low-end RB2 or an RB3. But with this news and with what we've seen with Urban Meyer at Ohio State, I kind of beg the question, is James Robinson's ceiling kind of being undervalued by the dynasty community and therefore his price tag being pretty like too cheap for how good he actually is? What is his price tag right now? That is my question. That's a good question. Um, I think right now, if you were to look at keep trade cut, he's somewhere in the low 20s of running backs. Um so what, you're saying you can get him for, like, a mid-second-round pick? I think wherever Trey Sermon is going in rookie drafts, like, if you if Trey Sermon's on the board 202 and you offer that to the James Robinson owner, I think the James Robinson owner most of the time accepts that trade. I think so, they would accept it, but I don't think I would do it, like, in terms of, like, being the person buying James Robinson. Exactly. So I was going to say, like, I think he's a little bit less than that. Um. So maybe like 204, 205, I'd say, in this rookie draft. Somewhere around there. So you're telling me he's from anywhere from like 204 to 20, let's call it six. Somewhere in there. See, see, during this segment, I'm going to kind of sound like a James Robinson hater. So I apologize to the James Robinson owners in advance. Um, I wouldn't pay more than a late second for James Robinson. Like That's very completely late fair. Um, and I actually thought that this news kind of you know how like james robinson's value obviously like tanked on draft night we still wanted to sell him i think this news could have kind of helped um i want to see how they play etienne in actual training camp when the full team is there uh, obviously he did play all of his reps at receiver um in this mini camp and i know uh in the first take we mentioned how i could see him having kind of an aaron jones role um with kind of uh James Robinson being the Jamal Williams, uh, dash AJ Dillon type. And that's with a high scoring offense. Like you have to imagine the fantasy points are going to be lower for this Jags offense, which isn't on green base level. I'm still, I'm still not crazy about James Robinson. I think, I think still it's going to end up being Etienne's backfield, uh, getting more touches, um, getting more receiving game for me. This just kind of honestly boosts Etienne's value for me, especially more in PPR leagues. Um, I think they're going to use him a ton in the receiving game. And I think he's going to be the main back. I think what's going to really be kind of a pain in the ass is like when Etienne owners, he's kind of like the more valuable running back. And then just all these drives you see at the goal line, they give it to James Robinson instead. I can see that happening a lot, kind of like what was happening with Ingram and Kamara a couple years ago. 
but that's kind of how I view it. My question to you is, do you kind of see this playing out? Like, obviously not at the same level as the, the Cleveland backfield, but, you know, Chubb and Hunt, they're both fantasy-relevant backs and fantasy-productive backs at that, too. They're You know, Hunt finished, I believe, top 12 running backs last year, and, uh, you know, Chubb only missed, yeah. I think, two games. So, yeah. like, they, they both were top running back ones, you know, top 12. So, yeah. Obviously, I don't think Jacksonville that that Jacksonville offense can support that. But do you kind of see this playing a little similar, where you know, where you know Hunt's a better receiving back than Chubb, he gets more of that third down work. But but at the same time, they're both productive backs. You can pl- probably start either on any given week, and no one would bat an eye. No one would say that's a bad start. See, for me, the difference of that situation, I do get what you're saying. It's kind of one some more receiving back role, one some more pure rusher, and they're both very productive in fantasy. I just think those two guys' talent level is in, like, a whole different, like, universe compared to James Robinson. Um, and both their talent levels are higher than ETN, too. I mean, but I think- ETN, ETN has the most draft capital put into them than any, either of them. Hold on. Can I, get, can I get a quick timeout here? A quick timeout. Um, yeah. Because there are a couple things I want to interject on this. First off, I understand the preconceived notion, and it, this was like that at the beginning of the season, that Kareem Hunt was more of the pass-catching back and Nick Chubb more of the power back. But if you watch the Browns tape towards the end of the season when they kind of switched up their offense a little bit and it really they- started to get on a roll, it was much more of a Nick Chubb gets a couple drives, Kareem Hunt gets a couple yeah, drives. You're, yeah, that's how they basically split it. They basically said, all right, this is a Nick Chubb drive. All right, this one's a Kareem Hunt drive. Like, they basically left him on the field for a full drive, which I, I like that. I mean, I think that's a good way to get your running back going. But and, and not even just that. They would go a lot of, like, I feel like I mentioned it way too frequently, but, like, a lot of, okay, big power personnel. And then if, if they don't like the look or maybe it's just pre-planned, they split it to five wide. They would have Nick Chubb lined up as a receiver on the outside and actually yeah, use him. It was He wasn't just a decoy. And this is a guy that was seen as, oh, you could never line him up as a receiver. His receiving this year was tremendously better than I've ever thought Nick Chubb could be. And, like, they did use him. They split him out wide and said, run around Nick Chubb. And he did. And he it was productive doing it. Like, Obviously, we've seen that from Kareem Hunt in, in, in the Kansas City offense and all that, but like you never would have expected it prior to this year from Nick Chubb, but credit well, to him. The other thing I want to say, too, is that I'm really glad you mentioned the Browns' offense because you know we, we've compared this situation in Jacksonville to either the Packers or the Browns and how they're going to use their running backs because I think we can all agree that James Robinson and Travis Etienne, regardless of draft capital, are two pretty talented running backs. You know, the fact that we are mentioning mentioning them in the conversation of these pretty damn good running backs, and we just saw James Robinson put up 1,400 yards. Like, these are not bad players. They will be utilized. So I actually think that I'm more on Jake's side here that we sh- I expect to see more of a Browns usage of these running backs than a Packers usage in that while I do think that Travis Etienne will be in that Aaron Jones role, Robinson's just going to get more carries than Jamal Williams did. Jamal Williams, like there were a couple of games where he got kind of pounded the rock, but in in the games where him and Aaron Jones were really both on the field playing, 
it was, okay, Jamal Williams gets like six to eight carries. With James Robinson in this Urban Meyer offense, I really think this is going to be a team that wants to develop a run-first identity for Trevor Lawrence to help him out. And I I kind of think that we're going to see James Robinson be more of the Kareem Hunt and that he's he's going to get a few drives and possessions as that actual running back. And instead of six to eight carries, we're going to see – 10 to 12 carries, which could really impact his value, especially if they're those red zone carries. I do think he's he's going to have those red zone carries, which are going to be big. Um, I'd probably list it at around... Okay, so he's going to get much more the first half of the season than the second half of the season, I think, because like James Robinson... Well, not that he knows the system, honestly, because it's a brand new system, but he's been there. Uh, They may trust the one-year experienced guy over throwing the rookie in the fire right away. I, don't, I guess I'm just not as high on James. I just I think at first it'll kind of be like the Hunt Chubb thing, but I see it turning into kind of that Aaron Jones um, Jamal, or honestly, kind of a better one would probably be Kamara Latavius Murray. Uh, yeah, I can see that. Latavius got around like ten carries a game, and got I think the that's what you're work. scared of Robinson becoming is Latavius Murray, where he's just. I mean, Latavius Murray's not a bad player, but he's. You know, that that's but that's also what he's valued at, right? He's okay at max, he's gonna get like 10 points if he scores a touchdown. If yeah. not, like he's getting 10 carries for like 50 yards, you know, 60 yards. Um, so I think that's fair. Now, I guess the other question is, are you going out and buying James Robinson based on this news, or is it still like, okay, we're gonna keep him in purgatory if you have him, hold him. If you're if you don't have him, you're not buying. I think the move with him is. Uh, it's just a hold. I'm not buying. I'm not selling. Um, I think what I would do as an owner or as a potential buyer would just be see how the first few weeks play out. If he has a shit first two weeks, right, and the value of him just completely tanks, I mean, like, if he's getting carries and just not producing, I think that's one thing. But if he's just not getting any carries, I think that's another thing. So, like, you get a feel for it. And if you, I think if he's just not producing, but the carries are still there, I think that's a potential buy low for almost nothing. Cause I think everyone would just assume he's finished, but you know, if he's just, if he's just not getting carries, obviously they're clearly just going with Travis Etienne, who they just put a first round pick into understandable, you know, no draft capital in James Robinson, obviously as an undrafted free agent last year, New coach it's just a, too. New coaching staff, exactly. So it, he's in a very precarious spot, and I understand why people are and the dynasty community as a whole are just very cautious on him. Yeah, I, I think I'm a little more optimistic for Robinson than consensus. And I know, Lunas, you kind of alluded to before saying that you're not on the Robinson train. I, I, I understand that. I think that most people aren't on the Robinson train. I'm not saying that you should go out and spend 204, 205 on him, but come like – Kenneth Gainwell territory where some people are picking him up. I think that that's a pretty damn good price to get a running back of the quality of James Robinson. So while we're talking about running backs, we can go on to our segment. Last week, we talked about wide receivers and going through the tiers of wide receivers and rookie drafts and comparing them to the veterans that they are priced around on keep trade cut and kind of say, you know, ranking them, right? Okay. I'd rather have, this guy or the rookie and you know for contenders rebuilders just kind of let's talk about all the running backs in the draft and that starts off this is also consensus by the way 
Uh, I know that we have different opinions, but we're going off the consensus price values. So the tier one running back for the community is Najee Harris, and rightfully so. Got probably the best running back landing spot in, in Pittsburgh. A good draft capital. And, you know, he, everything seems to be pointing up for Najee Harris, and that kind of has transcended him into a consensus top five super flex pick. Now, the veterans that he is priced around are Cam Akers, Nick Chubb, and DeAndre Swift. Pretty, pretty high pedigree running backs, right? Everyone loved the 2020 running backs. There are two of the top ones priced right around Najee Harris. Can, can I add another guy to that list? Because me and Jake were just talking about him earlier, and in my startup, they went back-to-back. Sure. Um, Dobbins. Yeah, okay, J.K. Dobbins as well. So, yeah, there, there's three of those 2020 running backs. And Nick Chubb, just one of the best pure runners in football. Yeah. What, what are we thinking with Najee Harris here? Overpriced? I think a little bit. Um, here's the thing, though. Uh, and we said on this podcast how we like uh, Javante the most. But I think all of us kind of agree, uh, definitely for year one, Najee's going to have the best rookie running back season. Um, just from how much that Steelers offense is going to use him. Um, the backfield is completely his. He doesn't really have any competition at all. Um, versus Javante, you have Melvin Gordon, Etienne, you still have James Robinson. But am I willing to take him over some of those guys? Um, I want to hear you guys' ranking. I don't know if I can go ahead of Akers, Chubb. I would take Najee over Swift. I, I would as well. The, that's the one that sticks out. I would take Akers and Chubb over Najee with kind of more certainty. Dobbins and Najee is insanely close to me. Um, I might lean Dobbins by a little bit, but I wouldn't blame anyone for picking Najee. Um, if you're afraid of Lamar stealing some rushing touchdowns, um, that's close. I think I think I included Dobbins because I think Dobbins is the most similar valued. If I could think of one running back specifically that's closest to equal value to Najee, it might be Dobbins. I'll go here, Jake, and then we'll we'll throw it to you. Um, I think I would take easily Nick Chubb and J.K. Dobbins over Najee Harris. I'm a huge fan of J.K. Dobbins, and this is coming from a diehard Steelers fan. J.K. Dobbins is an unbelievable offense. They kind of have all the tools, and I think that Lamar only really helps him out uh, with, with his it, skill set. It, it draws in the, the people. Everyone has to pay attention to Lamar. So it leaves some running lanes open for the running back there. Well, yeah, and then when they do these zone reads, right, um, if a team wants to mitigate Lamar, they can uh, in, in the pure run game. But then you have one less guy in run defense against a massive, good run-blocking offensive line and J.K. Dobbins as a great pure run runner, right? The dude is – he got a lot better from Ohio State in his first season. Cam Akers, Najee Harris is really close for me. Um, that is that is really really close. Thank God JT's not here to bang the table on fucking DeAndre Swift because Jesus, I think we all agree on this one. Yeah, no, I'm taking Najee over Swift. Um, I think you guys are both because I know Jake, you're a big Acres guy. You probably have acres and dobbins kind of swapped for my scenario where it's like okay chubb and acres over chubb i mean i think chubb's a top five dynasty running back i'm obviously taking him over you know a rookie here 
Um, Acres, I absolutely love. I think what we saw for, at the end of I the season Akers. from Acres, Acres last year, you add Stafford to that offense to just even you know further push people out of the box and respect the arm that Stafford has. This he's this, gonna he's, he's just, gonna have more scoring opportunities too. It's gonna he be a higher scoring up, offense. I think like if you can buy Cam Acres, I would almost give up anything to buy Cam Acres. It's it's sad that in our league the guy who has him just pretty much feels <laughs> this, pretty much feels the same way I just said. So. Yeah. Um, not good luck with that one, but uh, yeah, I think Dobbins. I'm with Lunas. I think Dobbins and, and Najee are very, very close. Um, I, I lean Dobbins just because of uh, the safety that he has. Um, you know, this Ravens offense isn't changing too much in the next few years. While Pittsburgh, it's really up in the air. You know, Ben Roethlisberger's gonna be 37, 38. Like, you don't know what's going on there. Like. That's the only reason I would lean Dobbins, and then I have him over Swift. Um, Detroit is just Detroit. They're where players go to die. As Barry Sanders, as Megatron, as Stafford, players just die there. <laughs> uh, I, I can't, I can't argue against buying him. So, Galladay couldn't wait to get out of there. The thing I love about Najee though is that he's going to be used in the passing game, which is going yeah. to be oh, nice. I for agree, and that's why I said he's very close with Dobbins. I just think the uncertainty past this season um, with Pittsburgh it is just a, a thing you can't. I can't let go. Like you're buying. This is a dynasty pick. You're not just buying him for this year. If you're buying for just this year, I think Najee over over Dobbins, no questions asked, just because yeah. of the offense, you know, that, that the Steelers are going to have. And I think they're going to give him that Le'Veon Bell-esque role where they're going to use say, him in the passing game. They're going to use him in the running game. They might split him out a little bit. We saw that at Bama where he just literally split out. I mean, I think he's going to fit this Steelers offense as is very, very well and better than any running back they had on the team last year, obviously. But – Past this year, how do you, like, as a Steelers fan, how do you picture this offense? Like, what happens here? Like, Juju will be a free agent. He signed a one-year deal. Uh, I don't know what the contract status is of Deontay Johnson right now, but I, I assume he, he has to – I mean, what, this was going to be going into, what, his third year? So he probably only has one more year after that, a probably four-year deal. He wasn't a first-round pick. So it's just – and then Big Ben retires. Like, what do you do at quarterback? You're not going to have a top pick. What are you doing at quarterback? Like, it's well, just so he, many question marks that pass this year. Like, what happens to the Steelers' offense? They could easily just bottom out. Here, here's my my argument though: is that for like ninety percent of the teams in the league, you can do the same thing. Where okay, you look two, three years out, and everyone's doesn't have a contract. Um, here, here's the thing that I disagree with you guys about Najee Harris, and that. I actually think that year two, year three, and year four are where Najee Harris really shines. The only problem that I have with Najee Harris is that I don't really see him having that illustrious, like, eight, nine season career that, like, goes crazy. But I think that you get a nice little window, you know, in year two, year three, year four, and, like, year five. I think that that little window there is going to be great for Najee Harris. And I also think that he's not that he's going to struggle this year, but I think that we are going to see a huge uptick in production from com, from year one compared to years two and three. I, I think that that's another really? thing that I want to get out of the way. Yeah, hundred um, percent. 
I, I am very confident. I don't really care who the quarterback is or who the receivers are. I How think could that you say that though? Like obviously, like it doesn't like. I don't care about like, the receivers, but quarterback. The receivers, and I'm not so worried about. But the quarterback, like, listen, like if the Steelers quarterback doesn't going, run the ball. Yeah, but okay. scoring opportunities. <laughs> It's just the better offense scoring. You have. Like the better offense you have, the more likely are you are to score a touchdown. Here, here's touchdowns the are worth six points. Yeah, but here's the thing: we don't need Patrick Mahomes or a Ben Roethlisberger to have a halfway decent offense. We need a good offensive line, and then you can find Marcus Mariota or a Ryan Tannehill to lead your team. I mean, Ryan Tannehill might be a bad example; he's actually Jimmy pretty G. damn good. But like, yeah, a Jimmy G to put your team in scoring opportunities. I think that having a good roster and a good team is way more important than having a top 10 quarterback. So I'm not really worried about that at all. Actually. I, I think the quarterback scenario will be solved and yeah, they might not have the the craziest quarterback in the league, but at the same time, there's going to be a Pittsburgh team. That's going to say, all right, Najee Harris, we're going to give you 400 freaking carries, 300 freaking carries or 300, 400 touches. And you are going to be the offense to a certain extent. Um, and that's going to happen year two, year three, and year four. It's like a couple years ago, I saw Le'Veon against the Bills one game where it was in the cold, in Buffalo, passing offense can be going. They said, okay, Le'Veon Belt, we're just going to give you the ball and play power Steelers football. So I think that's what they want to get back to with Najee Harris and under Matt Canada in a similar running style to what they ran at Bama. So I, I, I think that, in terms of just like, oh, am I taking a running back for this year? Well, I'm going to take Nick Chubb then. And past that, it's like, I think that Najee's going to have an uptick. All right, we so can go to tier can... two, though, All right, if you guys want. Um, tier two, the rookie backs are Javante Williams and Travis Etienne. They're both going into that mid to late portion of the first round of Superflex drafts. Um, right now, I believe that Travis Etienne is the consensus number two, with Javante Williams slightly behind him at three, but de definitely a little draft dependent there. The veteran running backs in this conversation are Joe Mixon, Austin Eckler, Miles Sanders, Josh Jacobs, and David Montgomery. So we are a Javante Williams podcast. We are in the kind of the camp that Javante Williams is our RB1 over Najee Harris, who's the consensus RB1. So let's just kind of stick with him for now. Any one of those veteran running backs, are you taking over Javante Williams? Yes or no? Yes. Who? Joe Mixon. Mixon? I, I, I think Mixon's about to have an unreal year. Just I, I, I bought him this offseason. I think he's about to explode and have a great year. Okay, that's fair. Uh, I mean, no, listen, I, I like listen, the talent listen. of Mixon. I just think that the Bengals have like the worst coaching staff in the league, which definitely think, helps and hurts running production. Listen, they they have clearly have talent on the outside in in Jamar Chase, in T Higgins, and Tyler Boyd, who is maybe the best number three receiver in all of football. Let's be honest. Um, this offensive line is the question mark. I would have taken Panay Sewell if I was the you know, the Bengals sitting at five in this draft. But they do have their their quarterback, their receiver, and their running back. They're the worst offenses in the league. You can make a scheme 
to get the ball out of hand, Joe Burrow, uh, out of Joe Burrow's hand quickly, so that the offensive line doesn't look that bad. You can run some plays with Joe Mixon that a lot of running backs can't do in the league. He can he can pass catch, he can run outside, he can run between the tackles. He's a do it all back. And like the, the coaching staff has come out and said that's exactly what they want him to do. They want him to never leave the field. And if you have a running back that's never going to leave the field, he's going to put up points regardless. He's going to get a million touches. And they can't stack the box. What, are you going to stack the box and let T. Higgins and, and Jamar Chase burn you all game? I don't think so. So it's just, a, I think, a good scenario here for Mixon. And a, pe- a lot of people are selling him just because he was injured last year. I, he had a, He was injured. We got it, you know. If he stays healthy, a lot of people probably have him as a top ten dynasty back still. So, I, I can I can't argue. Like I, I understand people are high on Javante Williams, me included, but I think Joe Mixon is going to be a top ten dynasty back at by the end of the season. So I'm just I'm going to roll with that. So I'm stuck. I have an upper tier of three in that list between Javante Mixon and Sanders. Um, I think because I just also think on the Eagles end um, for different reasons than Mixon, because you bring up a good point in terms of Mixon, that's going to be an offense where he stays on the field all the time. In Sanders' end, I think it's an offense that doesn't have many weapons, and they're going to be like, hey, Sanders was our best offensive player last year. Let's get him the ball like 25, 20 touches a game. Um, so those are the two that are close for me with Javante. I'll take Javante over everyone else for sure. Uh, Eckler, Etienne, Jacobs, and Montgomery. Javante versus Mixon and Sanders is tough because that, that's like that tough upper trio from that group I would take out of. Um, I just I can't trust the Bengals. Like, I agree with you, Jake, and I think that Joe Mixon is undervalued and that he's a phenomenal running back. Like, if you, if you watch the Bengals games back, anyone that watches the Bengals can agree that Joe Mixon is a talented-ass running back and, yeah. I, and might have that top-10 talent in the league. He's just in a – Terrible, terrible spot. But I don't see that improving. Yeah. Um, I mean, how? I, listen, I understand like the offensive line is not good, but you can't tell me you can't scheme it off. The offense. offensive line and the scheme isn't good. I don't think. And uh, they I mean, play in a fucking hard ass division. The divisional like, matchups is more concerning to me than that offensive scheme. I think you give this coaching staff another year with Joe Burrow, like and uh, Jamar Chase on the outside. That. That, that's going to change an offense, and you know that. Adding a receiver as talented as Jamar Chase to pair opposite a guy that a lot of the dynasty community is super high on, including myself and T. Higgins, it's it's an offense that you have to be concerned about in some extent. I don't know. I, I'm going to have to see it to believe it. I, I think that Joe Mixon, like you said, undervalued, can definitely have an uptick. But – in Dynasty, I am taking Javante Williams. I just I like Javante Williams more. I think the only back for me that really draws in consideration over Javante Williams is Josh Jacobs, because I think that I understand I'm so Josh out Jacobs on, is I'm needed, so out on Josh Jacobs. but I don't understand that because you have a a coach that has unbelievably good running back pedigree. John Gruden always has an a thousand yard rusher. It's like you know you, there's three guarantees in life death taxes, and John Gruden using the shit out of his RB1. Um, I think the other one, now I'm not going to take him over Javante, but in terms of production levels, is David Montgomery. I think that everyone is really sleeping on David Montgomery and the fact that 
He had a phenomenal year last year. The guy yeah, has the really good schedule in the league. Yeah, I think that David Montgomery, though, is almost in the same problem with Joe Mixon, is that his coaching staff does not do him any favors. And I think that's the reason I'm taking Javante over over those guys. But so wait, are you taking Montgomery over Mixon and Sanders? Uh, Mixon, I think, is a different story. But I would take Montgomery over Sanders and Eckler. Yeah, probably. Damn. Okay. Travis Etienne, on the other hand, is where. Oh man, I'm. I'd rather have Jacobs and Etienne. Um. I'd probably rather have Montgomery, to be honest. Mixon. I, I think the only one that I might not take over er, ETN would be Eckler. Is my only one. I think I, I would take Mixon, obviously. I'll take Sanders, I'll take Jacobs, and I'll take Montgomery. So the only one for me that I'm questioning with ETN is Eckler. I think you this mean, is one of those where it depends on what I am. If I'm a contending team, I think I'd rather have Eckler. If I'm a rebuilding team, I'm smashing ETN because I, I know, ETN just I agree. clearly has the longer shelf life right now. But at the end of the day, I mean, Eckler did just sign an extension and is paired with, you know, Herbert long-term in that offense that's going to get better and better. I mean... I do, do not sleep on David Montgomery, guys. David, I'm not. I said I wouldn't take him over... Et- I, I mean, I said I would take him over ETN. I think Montgomery's going to have a better season than ETN. I like Montgomery. Give me ETN. Okay, so let's just let's just get the rankings real quick of all these guys. Um, so I'll go first. Javante, one. Josh Jacobs, two. Uh, Mixon and Montgomery so close, but they're three and four. Eckler five, Miles Sanders six. Where's Etienne? Oh, Etienne. Put Etienne over Eckler and Sanders. So yeah, ETN's five or six. I, I forgot uh, the numbering of that. I got Mixon one, Javante two, uh, Jacobs three, <laughs> uh, Montgomery four. Sanders 5, ETN 6, Eckler 7. I probably have it. Fuck it. Uh, I'll go Javante 1. Um, give me Mixon at 2. Um, A lot of me... Mixon love. I, I, I mean, like, I don't know, I like I don't know how you don't. Like, yeah, the, they were a bad team last year. We got it. Their quarterback was out from weeks 10 on. We, we understand. They were shit. The the but, only thing that concerns me about Mixon is injury. That is the only thing that concerns yes, me about Mixon. Yes, I agree. The injury concern is real. He's missed time in every season he's played. But when he's on the field, he's fantastic. So, got to um, hope for a, a healthy season. Uh, I'd put Sanders at three. I know you guys are lower on him. Um, I don't know if it's because I tortured myself by watching every Eagles game last year, but he was kind of like, I don't know if you ever seen that meme where it's like, it's like a Corvette parked near like the shittiest house ever. And it were like, memes <laughs> like this was LeBron and Cleveland. That was pretty much Miles Sanders in the Eagles offense last year. Um, I just don't think Jalen Hurts helps his value. I just don't. I actually think his he production does. really had an uptick when Hurts I was, was the say, QB though. Um, Sanders... It was the whole like team Lamar had an uptick. The whole team had an uptick where it was just like they needed to change. Okay. I think- um, JT's in the chat. I, I missed some of his messages. Oh, JT's JT. JT's list goes: Mixon one, Javante two, Etn three, 
Eckler four, Sanders five, Montgomery six, seven, Jacobs. Honestly, the more I keep Damn, looking Montgomery at this running back Jacobs. tier, there is a lot of value in this, in this tier, tier of running backs yeah, to pick them up compared to some of the more hyped running backs. Like, I think that these guys for their price tag are all pretty damn good. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, and I, I don't hate that list, JT. Uh, but then to finish I mean, I think the all these guys are real close. They're really I'd, close, a lot of them. After Sanders, I'd probably go Jacobs, then... Uh, actually, no. Give me ETN over Jacobs. So, e- so Sanders, ETN, Jacobs, then Eckler, then Montgomery. All right. Really? Which Dude, one surprised you? Like, Montgomery was just running back two in his second season in the league. Like. Okay. I think Montgomery is legit. I mean, no, I, st- I still like Montgomery. That's a tier of really good backs. Those are backs that any one of them could be an RB1 next year, and I wouldn't be surprised. I guess Javante because Melvin Gordon was there. But if Melvin Gordon wasn't there, any one of those backs I could see being in the top 10 next year. Um, so it's not a slight of Montgomery. It's just those are really good running backs. Like, I can't, I can't slight any of them. Like, I'm taking Josh Jacobs is going to get a shit ton of touches. I like Eckler. Whenever Eckler's healthy, he's another injury person. But whenever he's healthy, he always produces an insane amount. Um, I'm a believer in Sanders, and he looked really good those weeks. Jalen Hurts was there with them, and they were kind of running a zone off, um, zoned read offense. Uh, Sanders was working really well on it. Um, and then ETN, I like more, especially with his um, how many catches I think he's going to get. And Javante and Joe Mixon, we both have at the top of the list. I still like Montgomery. I just, those guys are all really good. So it's like someone has to be last. Dude, I honestly might put ETN last. I, I, I agree. It. It's, it's getting closer and closer to me putting ETN last. I had if a I'm six. a contending team, he's last. Um, let's move on to tier three, though. Unless, Jake, you want to add one last thing? No, I'm good. All right, so tier three, we have two running backs in tier three. These are the guys going... A lot of the times, early second, very early second. Sometimes sneak it even into the late first in super flex drafts. And that is Michael Carter and Trey Sermon. Um, The veteran players that they are being priced around are Chris Carson, Kareem Hunt, Miles Gaskin, and James Robinson. So this is a really interesting little tier. Um, Man, what are you guys thinking here? Okay, uh, so I, I have my I think, one and two. I mean, there's a clear number one in my opinion, but you all know who I'm going to say. Kareem Hunt. Dude, I, the Kareem Hunt value hate is just so absurd in my head. Like, the dude was running back 10. People would be like, oh, you know, uh, Chubb missed time. Chubb missed two games. People are acting like Chubb missed half a season. Chubb missed two games. Was it only two? Yes, I don't think played... it was as much as everyone said, but I'll I'll look right Lunas, now. Who's your top two? You said you had a top two. Who are they? Yeah, uh, Jake, don't hate me. It's Sermon and Kareem Hunt, and then there's a bit of a landslide after those two. Interesting. Uh, do you have um, the rest of that? Um, so so after them two, uh, okay, this is interesting now. Oof. Um. I'm between Gaskin or Carter. I think I'd lean Gaskin for right now. Um, then I would take Carter. 
Robinson or Chris Carson. I mean, if I was rebuilding, I would take Robinson. If I was a contender, I'd take Carson. But overall, uh, <laughs> JT. <laughs> I'll take Robinson. What JT said? JT says, another episode of Jake jerking off Hunt. Color me shocked. Okay, so JT. <laughs> no, I mean, Hunt, Hunt is at the top. Why well, haven't Hunt is the best running back in that list by far. Not even close. Yeah, JT's list is Hunt. Sermon, Carson, Robinson, Carter, Gaskin in that order. Uh, I, I'm actually going to agree with you guys here that I think that Sermon and Hunt are easily in like that top tier. I think three for me is going to be Michael Carter, actually. I, I agree. I'm with Frank third. on this one. I think Michael Carter is my third, followed by probably James Robinson, Chris Carson, Miles Gaskin. Um, Am I there in that order? Miles Gaskin? I can I can I mean, go. He's gonna be replaced. You gotta think he's gonna be replaced. Come yeah, on. Yeah, it's like, just that I've heard so many rumors of the of the Dolphins for like a season and a half, trying to add running backs and just getting boned left, right, and center. James Robinson just did get replaced. Yeah, but he also did just put up fourteen hundred yards, which is something Miles Gaskin never even came close to. Miles so, Gaskin stats. Now this tier though, because this is an interesting tier. Let's just take out Kareem Hunt for a second, or even including Kareem Hunt. I think that this is the first tier where I think that the rookies clearly outshine a lot of the veteran players. And the top yeah. two tiers that we talked about, I think that it was definitely a gray area and it was more depending on who you liked where. This tier for me is where I really think that I'll take the upside of the of the younger running backs, and it feels like a lot of the, the veteran running backs in this tier are guys that are almost on the way out more than on the way in. I agree with that. I mean, you're looking at guys like like we just talked about, Miles Gaskin. There's been rumors out just everywhere about him getting replaced and just the Dolphins never getting there. Um, so I think at some point, whether it's next season or even midseason, if there's an opportunity to pick up somebody, I wouldn't be shocked if the Dolphins did it. Um, Chris Carson, I mean, he's a guy that I I think we all know. He's injury prone. He's on that later half of his career. So I think outside of, you know, Kareem Hunt, these rookies do completely outshine these vets here. And I think you're right that this is – I didn't think he would be this low. Like, you know, you, you look at the draft and you go like, okay, Najee, Javante, Travis Etienne, those are the top three running backs. But the guys that are – they, they're valued around or are still better than them. You know what I'm saying? Now, one thing I do want to say, because like the more I look at it, the more I am not liking ETN. I actually feel like ETN belongs more in the tier three than he does the tier two, which I might come off as a little bit of a hot take kind of a thing. Uh, but I think the ETN more so belongs in this group than that top group. I can't. Those top two guys are kind of close to him, but I don't think um, ETN, ETN is like leagues above the rest of that list after Hunt and Sermon. I um, think Chris Carson outscores ETN this year pretty easily. Maybe this year, but I also think Chris Carson's after this year's value plummets. Well, yeah, that's that's the obvious problem with Chris Carson is that his oh. longevity is just screwed because – I mean, he signed a two-year deal. It's almost a glorified one-year deal, and the guy no can't stay on the field ever. Yeah. So, I mean, so if you want to one, tell me he's one season... semi-major injury away from his from being done in the league, basically. 
Yeah. So if you want to tell me for next season, Carson's got a better year. Sure. Yeah. I mean, he's going to be the starter in Seattle, but for dynasty, I mean, I'm taking Etienne by like a decent margin. Okay. Now I, I kind of want it because now we're starting to get into the ambiguous price range. Um, what do you think the true value on Trey Sermon and Michael Carter are in this tier? And would you consider them more underrated or overrated? Uh, I like them. I like them minus the Kareem Hunt listing. I, I really like them pretty much right where they are. I think they're both guys that are like, listen, Shanahan has never stuck with one running back, and that I don't see it happening this year. They have, you know, Mostert, Jeff Wilson, Elijah Mitchell, um, Trey Sermon. They signed uh, Wayne Galvin. So, like, they have five – that's five running backs that I, I are on their roster that are all should be on their roster. So, like, it's just tough to see – like, I think Trey Sermon's the most talented of all those backs that I just named in, in San Francisco, but it's tough to see him getting significantly more carries or, you know, basically even the majority of the carries in that backfield. I don't think it will year one, but I think by year two, he has a shot. Um, Mostert, after this season, doesn't really intimidate me. He's he's a 29 right now, right? Mostert, uh, he's a 28 or 29. Um I can look that up quick, actually. Uh, I think Sermon already is a better back than guys like Wilson. Who else is still in that backfield? I know McKinnon left. Um, Gallman, and they drafted Elijah Mitchell in the sixth round. Elijah Mitchell will kind of be the – I think it's going to end up being Sermon as the main back, and Elijah Mitchell is kind of the change of pace, sometimes receiving back uh, by next season. And when that offense – I mean, if it ends up being a good offense with Trey Lance – all those weapons around him. Sermon's getting a lot of scoring opportunities. I like him a lot. That's why I have him in that same tier as um, on long-term value. Obviously, Hunt's going to be a million times better just for next season. Um, and I think there's a drop-off after those two. So, I don't know. I, I, like, I like Michael Carter. I had Michael Carter ranked as a higher prospect than I did Trey Sermon. So, I'm not going to just rule him out either, even though just because he's, he's, he's my three. Gets. I changed my mind from Gaskin. I'll go Carter at three. Um I was just looking at Gaskin's stats when we were talking again. Um, so I'd go Carter at three. And I know I like Carter. I probably I have Sermon probably valued around like 203 in a Superflex rookie draft. I probably have Carter around like maybe 207. Yeah, I'm kind of on, on the board with you there, Loon. I have Sermon ranked right at that 203 spot, I think. And then Michael Carter at like 205, 206. So a, a couple picks bumped up there. So now we can move on to Tier 4. Tier 4 consensus are two rookie backs, Chuba Hubbard and Kenneth Gainwell. And the veterans in this tier are Raheem Mostert, Alexander Madison, and Devin Singletary. Starting to really get into the crap tiers. Um, it's I the, think... Uh, what were you going to say, Jake? It's the handcuff tier. Yeah, it's literally the handcuff tier. I think that Kenneth Gainwell... And Singletary are the top two guys here for me, and by a decent margin. Um, I still actually kind of like Mostert. It's just I don't really want to pay anything for him. <laughs> That's the I problem. I like him if you're a contender and you need a back for this season. I think he'll be productive this year, but I think after this year, it's kind of like a 
Let me let me see what his contract is. JT put his ranking uh, in the chat. JT had Mostert last. Um, I, it doesn't shock. He's just in such a weird spot now because they brought in two, three running backs this offseason. Um, I, I just think that Mostert, he, he's just not going to be consistent. But if he gets hot, he's going to be hot. And, if, and he might have a this couple is, games where he just kind of goes off. This is the last year of Mostert's contract. This upcoming season. Which yeah, yeah, he's he's done after this year. Trey Sermon. I'm putting Madison last though, because I, I think I've seen everything I've seen things out of all these backs except for Madison. I've never really been a fan of Madison ever. Really? I like Madison. Well, to be fair, Madison's never really had an opportunity compared to a lot of these guys. I'm, well I'm he did with, have I'm an opportunity that one week and he shit the crap out of the bed. Yeah, one week against a good run defense. What, like there, there have been there have been games where they give Madison some touches and he puts up production. I think, like he's one of those. I think he's one of the more valuable handcuffs to own in um, fantasy. Like if Cook ever goes down, Madison, I think he can fill in that role pretty well. Obviously not on Cook's level. Cook is a top five running back, but I don't know if I'm putting. I, I, I'd rather have Madison than Chuba Hubbard. Nah, give me give me Chubes. I, I I think Madison is easily like, in the last tier. Like, what is Chuba Hubbard at this point? Like, behind CMC, what is he going to do? Get- well, he could be. He could be. In, he needs development. That's the thing about Chuba Hubbard is that he was not going to come into a system year one and start lighting up the world. He needed to develop just about everything. Okay, well, outside the, of his jump, even even the once Panthers he are locked in long term to CMC, what are there's, they going to do with it running back? There, there's no play where you take CMC off the field. Exactly. Passing so down, what's what is he realistically getting? He'll get his you know whenever his his probably like maybe two three touches a game maybe like I don't even know if that. Here's the thing. He here here's the argument. I'm going to debunk your whole thing here. Is that well, we just argued – we can make that same argument for Alexander Madison. Why the hell are you ever taking Cook off the field except for when Cook needs to come off the field? And I just think that Chuba Hubbard is a more talented back than Madison is. I so mean, that's if we're talking fair. about high-valued handcuffs, I think that Chuba Hubbard can do something, and Alexander Madison is not even a true handcuff. I think that if Cook goes down, it's going to be a committee because Alexander Madison is – you cannot trust him with more than like six carries in my opinion. I think no, I think you're gonna be a little bit surprised at that. So last year he had four games with over ten carries. Um, one of them was at Seattle where he had twenty for one twelve and three catches for twenty four yards. He did have one bad game against Atlanta where he had ten carries for twenty six yards. Uh, but then the other one against Detroit, twelve for sixty nine, and to end the season again at Detroit. This is I think Dalvin Cook sat out week seventeen. He had twenty one for ninety five and a touchdown. Okay, yeah, he had production against Detroit, the team that was most infamous last year for playing 10 defenders on the field towards the end of the season. They did it three or four times. I'm I'm just out on him. Like, cool, he can have a few good runs. He can have a few good games. I'm I'm not buying him. I don't even want to roster him. I don't care if I have Cook. I have Cook in a league. I am not – I don't value Madison as a handcuff at all. I'll let Cook get hurt. I'd rather have my roster spot spent on someone else. Speaking of Minnesota running back, what do you think of the guy that drafted Keen and Gang and Wang? I have not watched him at all, which is surprising because I watch everyone. I have not watched him. Special teamer. I, 
No, we I, I remember I that during the draft. That. We remember that during the draft. He was he made like the, his all conference team as the number one returner. Um, I think he's just an insanely good kick and punt returner. Uh, I don't think he's a better runner than Madison. I think I think he got put in a bad spot where he backed up David Montgomery and Breeze Hall, but that's just me. That, that, that is a valid argument. And I mean, he passes all the physical checks, right? So they might thought that they might have thought they have a nice little developmental piece to add some depth to that team. I mean, clearly the Vikings don't don't draft for need a whole lot, especially in the mid rounds. Like, dude, they they picked up so many players. You know, they just get a crap ton of picks and just start firing on guys that they like <laughs> that are pretty athletic. Um Anything else you guys want to say on on players in this tier? I'm good. This tier is pretty. Well, what about Singletary? Where are we putting Singletary? Actually, real quick. I don't know what the fuck to make of the Bills backfield. I like Zach Moss. I'm a Zach Moss fan. I think he's the better running back in that backfield. But uh, I I'm surprised the Bills didn't draft a back this year. I know there was interest in Etienne. Uh, he didn't fall to them. Um, did the Bills pick one pick behind the Jaguars actually for that pick? They miss him by one slot. No, they they were picking at like twenty nine or okay, yeah, so 29. by so by like four slots. Um, I think they might have went defense anyway. They, they clearly D line was a huge issue for them, and they went back to back D line D line. Yeah, um, I think they bring in a back next year. Uh, if you had to choose between Zach Moss or Singletary, I probably lean Zach Moss or Jake. I don't love either. I don't think either is the long term back. Um. I just I feel kind of mid towards Singletary. He's someone that like if you have some people on buy or injured, you play him at your flex. And I don't think he's going to become more than that. Okay, that's fair. I, I I think I'm a little bit higher on Singletary. I'm not crazy high on him, but I think that he could be a somewhat consistent flex well, option. Real but... quick before we leave, would you rather have him or Zach Moss? <sighs> um. I think Moss, just because Moss is going to be more consistent. I, I'm not that I think that Moss is like insanely better or anything. I just think that when push comes to shove, he's going to get goal line work. I think that's he's, the biggest thing. I think he's just going to get a more steady workload. But I, at the same time, I think that Singletary is a little bit more dynamic um, and can make more things happen with their offense. It's just you, you can't you can't just line up and hand the ball off to Singletary on third and short. You know, like, it's just not the way the news goes with him. So he's always going to have inconsistency. So let's move on to tier five. Second to last tier, there are two rookie backs in this tier, and that is Elijah Mitchell and Ramondre Stevenson. The vets that we have in this tier are David Johnson, Jeff Wilson, and Philip Lindsay. I'm going to start real quick. Give me the rookie backs in this tier. I personally think that Elijah Mitchell and Ramondre Stevenson should be in tier four because these are two guys that I really liked coming into um, coming into the draft. Now, Elijah Mitchell, like his ADP is like, I think at a fair value, it's a little bit higher than I would have liked to see because he was one of my sleepers coming in and he's not being slept on anymore. Um, Ramondre Stevenson is just kind of in a weird landing spot in, in, in New England. But I just think talent-wise, they are better than the other running backs. Um, David Johnson, I think, is washed. Jeff Wilson, man, Philip Lindsay, who the fuck knows? See, I'm really close to you. I probably have it Elijah Mitchell one, 
Lindsay barely over Stevenson, then a giant gap, then those other guys. Do you think Lindsay? I mean, Lindsay and David Johnson are in the same backfield now. They're both yeah. in Houston. Like, what do yeah. you think happens there? I don't. I have and, no and idea. Mark I have no and Mark idea. Ingram. Oh, I I forgot that one. Oh boy. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, all three of them. I have no idea what to make. Uh, if I had a bet on it, I think Lindsay's the most talented uh, currently. Lindsay's uh, probably with, just the least amount washed. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Like, I just think David Johnson and Mark Ingram are like Mark Ingram wasn't even active toward the end of the year for the Ravens. Um, I know Gus I Edwards, felt so bad for him. I felt real bad for him too. Felt bad, but I mean, like Gus Edwards became significantly better than Dobbins, obviously on a whole other Gus Bus. But he's he's one of the better backup running backs. Um, I don't know. I the, the Texans offense. I just feel like we're gonna see the Jets offense again. Probably. We're gonna see a whole lot more punting than anything else. Probably. But I, Yo, I, think, Frank, I think you should watch the all twenty-two of. Uh, I think at least you're, you're hoping you're hoping for. Oh my god. Uh, I, I think just think the problem is that their it. offensive line is trash. Yeah. And their quarterback plays game. I think they have more talent, honestly, than the Jets did last year on offense. Um, maybe that I don't know if that's a hot take or not. Um, I think it's a little bit of Collins, Brand Cooks. Eh. Cooks. I think nice. they have way more talent in their offense. So, like, that's why I, I like I say it's going to be the Jets, but I do think there potentially is some really nice buy low value. I'm just not confident enough in any one of these guys to say, oh, if this guy's it. It's fair, and I agree. And I, I would take both. I would take the rookies here. I just think you're not getting much with any of these other guys. So I did like Jeff Wilson, but then they went out and drafted two running backs and brought in Gallman, so his value kind of tanked. But he had a nice end of the season last year for me. So, All right, let's go on to the last tier. Um, this is what I call the literally anyone else tier. So this includes, but is not limited to, Jermar Jefferson, Khalil Herbert, Larry Roundtree, Jared Dokes, Javian Hawkins, anyone else. And then every single rookie. Every yeah, just all those rookies that are going like very, very late third or like fourth to fifth round, right? All the other guys. Then yeah, um, give, give me any of those rookies. I'd probably have Hawkins and then Dokes at the top too. Well, you, I, I like, I like, you don't need to. Don't don't even. They're not worth <laughs> it. Well, okay. Well, I would take Lamichael Pirine over a lot of these running backs. I I would take Lamichael Pirine over Jefferson, Roundtree, Hawkins. Probably uh, Dokes is really close. Dude, I, I I JT, close your ears for this one. I'm not a Hawkins guy. I think that Hawkins is a jag and a half. Um, I mean, I, I like I, Michael P. Ryan. Um, I like Khalil Herbert. I think that's the best. I think Khalil school. Herbert's all right as well. He's just in a, in a wacky spot, right? It's, whereas I think Michael P. Ryan can legitimately fight this year for being a relevant running back. And I, people are just going to scoff at it because last year the Jets sucked. But when Michael P. Ryan played, he was actually all right. You know, I mean, no, he definitely he was involved. hurt a lot of last year, too, which people I don't think really remember because who the fuck other than me was watching goddamn Jets games? Like, <laughs> um, 
I, I like Lamichael P. Ryan. Um, he once again, he's in a weird spot, but in well, terms of talking. all these guys, I think his upside is pretty damn high. Um, let's look at the backfield he's in. He's with uh, Michael Carter, obviously. Um, Tico, uh, Tevin Coleman, and Ty Johnson. Ty Johnson was the starter at the end of last season. Um, go Terps, go. Keep, keep laughing yeah, but think at, about how much you're picking Ty, him Ty up Johnson for. wasn't terrible. Think about how much you're, you could pick, like, Khalil, not Khalil, Michael Pirine might be in waivers in some leagues. Now after the draft, someone might have cut him. Like, I think if you offered a fourth-round pick for him in a lot of rookie drafts this year, you might get some accepts. You know, LaMichael Piron is not exactly a valuable asset. And I think that he has just as much of an opportunity as someone like Jeff Wilson. And I'd easily take LaMichael Piron over, like, Alexander Madison, to be completely honest. Um, I like LaMichael Piron. Madison holds more value just because the handcuff value. While the Jets, there's no one you're handcuffing them to. Yeah, you don't know what the hell is going to happen with the Jets. But, yeah, I am not a huge fan of, like, any of these running backs in this tier, to be honest. This is, generally speaking, the bait tier. I think that there are some guys that you can get for less than this that might even be better. Um, shout out Caleb Huntley, by, by the way. We're talking about product of opportunity on the Atlanta Falcons. Caleb Huntley, watch out. Could be interesting, just saying. So, any anything else you guys want to say on these tier six running backs? Not too much. I think Dokes. Do you guys like Dokes? Am I saying his name right? Docs, Dokes. I have no idea. I, I honestly haven't watched him, so I'm I don't really have an opinion on him. I, I think have watched like all the other guys. Where did he end up getting drafted to? Uh, he's in Miami. Yeah. <sighs> I just That's the only reason he's getting attention. That's the only reason. I'm pretty sure he was undrafted free agent, too. Yeah, right, what was interesting is, is that Rams kid, like Malcolm Brown, I think it was his name, he ended up in Miami, which I don't think he's necessarily going to be relevant, relevant, but I think he can get carries. You know, when Malcolm Brown Malcolm had Brown. some decent games last year. Malcolm Brown will get carries in this offense, no doubt. Yeah, he will. I think. I think, I mean, not, not that he's a guy that you should go out and trade for, but if you have him, I'm pretty happy with the landing spot where he landed in free agency because they didn't get any of these bigger-name free agents. So He's just not the flashy guy. You know, when, when he gets carries, you're more so, like, wanting to shove forks in your eyes than you're excited. But I mean, like, he's like the Frank Gore where you need, you need one, he'll get you three. When you need three, he'll get, or when you need three, he'll get you three. And when you need five, he'll get you three. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I agree. The legend but, of Frank Gore. Um, I, I just think is he that, on a team? Did he did he get signed? No, I don't think oh, so. Oh man, what if Frank Gore Junior's coming up though? Watch Frank out for Frank Gore Junior. Frank Gore Junior. Like a year or two. What's our good buddy Lappy gonna do without Frank Gore on opening day? It's a team le- mascot. It's, it's a tradition like another team mascot. Lappy starting Frank Gore on opening day. All right. We well, speaking speaking of our buddy Lappy, for those who don't know, Lappy's a He's a, one of our league mates in our fantasy league and one of our good friends. Um, I'm in a league with, with Lappy as a co-manager. And in in our startup draft, he said to me, we are taking Ryan Tannehill. He was big on Ryan Tannehill when he was the backup quarterback in uh, in Tennessee. You know, they picked him up for cheap. 
okay, wait, what did you real quick before we move on to that? Does your outlook on the Dolphins change if they get Gurley Bell Johnson? Uh, Johnson, who's he talking about? David Johnson, Duke Johnson, probably Duke. I don't know. I think I'm, Duke's under Duke's a free agent. No, he he's still a free agent. That yeah. backfield just looks like a freaking clown fiesta. From um, I think from Duke Johnson pretty much gonna give you the same thing Gaskin gives you. Um, I mean, I don't, I mean, Le'Veon Bell would be interesting. I know they were interested in Le'Veon. Him. Le'Veon, I mean, once again, Gurley, I don't think he'll be consistent. Gurley does nothing for me. Uh, Le'Veon, I guess, maybe an end of bench guy, but he doesn't do much for me either. <laughs> yikers, dude, big yikers. That's just, it's not, that's not a backfield that I'm looking to invest in with any yeah. sort of capital. If I, mean, I happen like, to pick guys up, maybe, but. I mean, like, I, I think Gaskin can be a flex play. Um, yeah, but Gaskin's going to be overpriced right now. Like, if you were going to buy him, kind of like we said oh, no, in the previous episode, you had to do it before the draft. Yeah, no, I wasn't going to buy him uh, post-draft. But, I mean, if you have him, he can be a flex play. Um, Le'Veon, the, there, there was a multi-week stretch last year where Clyde Edwards-Alaire was hurt, and he was on the Chiefs' fucking offense, and he still – couldn't really put up productive fantasy numbers and that's the best situation you could possibly ask for so i, I don't think much of him or girly anymore all right let's go to backup qbs so kind of like i was saying earlier we had a couple of seasons ago ryan Tannehill. you could have picked him up for pennies um i did one of my startups it wasn't necessarily my call so i'm not going to take credit for it but it did happen and it could happen in the future you never know um Backup quarterbacks and super flex are always a little sneaky, right? Um, maybe you like to handcuff your starting quarterbacks just in case they get injured, or maybe you want to take a shot if you don't have good quarterbacks on a guy that could potentially see playing time. So let's talk about it. Okay. Who are your favorite backup quarterbacks? And I'm going first. My Go boy. Taylor Heineke. Yeah. I love me some Taylor Heineke. Listen, I understand you guys are going to meme at me. You're going to say I'm an idiot. But Taylor Heineke, I am trying to pick up in a lot of my leagues for nothing. I'm not hating. You know, in our rebuild league, we just picked him up on waivers for five fab. Yeah. Am I expecting Taylor Heineke to become the starting quarterback? No, we're not expecting any backup quarterback to become a starting quarterback, right? All of them have usually really good high-end draft capital. But in terms of dart throw guys, I think that Taylor Heineke is one of the very few backup quarterbacks that legitimately has starter potential. The other one I think I would look at is Marcus Mariota, as crazy as it sounds. And I know I might have just stole that from someone on the list, but Marcus Mariota has to me is better than a backup quarterback, but worse than a starting quarterback. But you put him in a good enough scenario. I think that Marcus Mariota, and once again, in terms of backup quarterbacks that you're picking up on waivers or for like basically no, nothing nonsense draft capital, could eventually be in a spot where it makes sense for him. What if the Giants traded for him, right? I think he, he'd have a shot at beating out Daniel Jones, honestly. If Daniel Jones, dude, I you're looking at me sideways, but if Daniel Jones comes out this season and plays like cheeks, right, and you're five weeks into the season, right before the trade deadline, and you're Dave Gettleman, 
What if you could pick up Marcus Mariota for like a fifth round pick, a fourth round pick? And then all of a sudden, Marcus Mariota gets launched into a starting role again on a good team. It could happen. And you're picking up Marcus Mariota for like nothing right now. See, I think Mariota is going to be the type where next offseason he's going to be a bridge QB somewhere. I know there was interest in him last offseason, uh, and the Raiders decided to keep him. Um, they had the choice to let him walk, but they wanted to keep him. Uh, and he's someone I like, too. I, I just wrote his name down in the doc. I agree with you on Mariota I think, and Heineke. I think those are probably the two most valuable backups. Um, I don't see someone in season because it's kind of hard to trade for a QB in season and then him just become your starter right then. If you're trying for a playoff push like the Giants are, I think the Giants are just going to ride it out with Daniel Jones. But this is going to be the year that decides if he's their guy. Um, he has to perform this year. I'm sure Jake agrees with that as well. Um, but I agree with you on those two, especially Heineke. And with Ryan Fitzpatrick, like he's obviously not their long-term option. And I think the Ravens roster is too good to the point where like they're not going to have an early pick. So Heineke might you have the, a shot. The too. football team, you mean? Oh, my God. I'm so bad with that. I'm sorry. Uh, the Washington it's football It's been over a year, Lunas. Doug. What are you doing? Doug, I was, I was saying, I, I, I don't know. I got caught slacking. Uh, please don't cancel me. Um, but so I, I, I like I like Heineke a lot. He'd probably be number one for me in my backup QB rankings of most value. Um, the one I had written down... He's technically not a backup right now. Uh, he's going to open the season starter, but the writing is kind of on the wall for him. Uh, Jimmy G. He is falling in value everywhere, obviously, because of the Trey Lance pick. And I think he's he still holds some value. Obviously, it drops a significant amount. Um, I mean, it drops a decent amount, but I could see him starting somewhere next year. Like Frank brought up earlier, Pittsburgh. I think there's going to be some teams looking for a bridge QB or just a guy you can start for one year. Um, and I think he can start, like, when he played, the problem was him was just staying healthy, because when he was healthy, he won games consistently in San Francisco, and even when his little stretch in New England. Like, his career record as a starter is really impressive. So I think he still holds value. Like, I remember the startup draft I was just in, I drafted him in a really late round, because everyone's obviously assuming Trey Lance is going to be the guy sooner or later this season. But I think Jimmy G can start somewhere, maybe not this year, but next season. And I still think he's talented enough to be a starter in this league if he can stay healthy. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we all know Jimmy G has shown he can take a team to the Super Bowl. I don't think he's the reason they went to the Super Bowl, but he's capable to get a team there. Um, some guys that I I like as backups, I think one is Gardner Minshew. I don't know how much he'll yeah. be on the waiver wire just because, you know, he was a starter last year so some people might still have him from last yeah, year he'll probably be rostered but you could definitely pick him you up for like a late for third if you wanted to yeah probably maybe even or less. even an I early mean, fourth yeah, yeah so like he's a guy that you can get for almost nothing he's a guy that i think everyone saw that he had ability to play in the nfl he won a few, not a lot of games last year but he was injured a lot but the year before as a rookie he looked pretty decent um, obviously not a lot of talent around him, not a lot to work with. I think he's a guy, if you put him in an offense that has a few pieces around him and you don't ask him to do too much, would be a very nice, you know, bridge quarterback for somebody if they needed it, something along those lines. And at that point, I've started quarterbacks, starting quarterback in fantasy. So to pay a fourth for a guy that might end up starting, um, 
I think it, it's a good shot in dark. If you don't like anyone on the board late in the draft, just throw it out there. Um, another guy that I have is a former starter, now the backup in Miami. It's Jacoby Brissett. He's a guy that was a starter two years ago for a, a almost playoff Colts team. So obviously Wentz is there. Um, Philip Rivers was there last year. He kind of got pushed aside, and I understand it. You know, you're not really going too far with Jacoby Brissett, but he's another guy that you know. I he think wasn't he terrible was, when he started. No, he wasn't bad when he started. He had a full season as a starter, and I think he he played pretty well. I think the team finished like six and ten, didn't they? Uh, something like that. Um, yeah. Which I think is a hard. good shout, dude. I think that's a really good shout. So like that I, is, I, think I forgot about him. He, like, obviously, he's in Miami. They have Tua. I think I'm a big Tua believer. I think even if it's not there, it's only a one-year deal in Miami. He has a chance to be a bridge quarterback somewhere else next year and to pick him up for literally nothing. He's going to be on the waiver waiver wire in pretty much all leagues except really deep rosters. So, Jacoby Brissett, guy I would just keep an eye on. Yeah, Brissett, the last time he started, um, obviously nothing special, but... um. Around 3,000 passing yards, 22 touchdowns to six picks. Um, that's not bad. And that's including four rushing touchdowns. So 18 passing, four rushing to six interceptions. Um, well, here's so the no, other thing, too, is that um, not only like, because we saw obviously two had his struggles last year, but I think if you're going to rank all of the starting quarterbacks of guys that potentially could get hurt, now I know injuries are a little wonky, but they do happen a whole lot. Um, Two is probably near the top of the list and starting quarterbacks that if he's going to get hit, I, I know it's a stretch. It, it's definitely a stretch what I'm saying here, but um, the combination of guys that could get hurt plus like talent in terms of a backup quarterback. I, I think that definitely kind of checks both of the boxes, not necessarily that Brissett will ever be a, a starting quarterback again, but in terms of a guy that if you have a roster spot, you can just put him on there, and when he starts, he's not just going to be completely dog shit. Um, I, I think that's a good one. Are there any other backups so that you this, guys th like? This is another one, and it's more in terms of the fact of QBs that we've seen get hurt. Um, and it's – I hope I pronounced his name right. Wolford on the Rams. Um, we saw ah, him – Stafford, Stafford's a goddamn iron, man. That man plays with a broken back. That man's a beast. <laughs> He'll play through injuries, but I mean, those injuries happen a lot and <laughs> to the point where he just physically can't. I agree. Matt Stafford is one of the toughest quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, there's a difference in being tough and injury, I mean, non-injury prone. Because um, it's all love in the world to Matthew Stafford. I fucking love Matthew Stafford. But I, I think the Rams liked what they had in Walford. Um, I don't know if you remember that um, wild card game against the the Seahawks, right? Yeah, uh, where Jared Goff had to come in, coming off that injury. Jared Goff was able to throw not terribly that game, and McVay still wanted to start Wolford originally. He just was forced to go to Goff after Wolford got injured. Um, I mean, dude was playing with a broken thumb. Like, do I blame him? No. I mean, I'm just saying when Goff came in, he didn't look like too bad. I, I, I think my big problem with Wolford is that he really, really lacks in the arm talent department. I think that's the other big thing against someone like Heineke, even though I really like him. It's just he doesn't have NFL-level arm talent, really, which is kind of the, the problem, at least from what I've seen. He hasn't really proved it to me. JT's in the chat saying Blaine Gabber, and I actually think that's not a bad shot at all. 
I know we saw um, Kyle Trask getting some love in the rookie camp reports, but Tom Brady did have major knee surgery. And Blaine Gabbert, he has the draft pedigree. Obviously, his career has not panned out. But in terms of if you're a win-now team, who would you rather start? Blaine Gabbert, seasoned veteran, in a complicated Bruce Arians offense, might I add, or rookie, very raw Kyle Trask, I think that if Brady goes down, there's a good chance that we would see Gabbert go in first over Trask. So he's someone that should be in waivers because right now he's considered like a third-tier guy. Um, I don't think that's a bad shot at all from JT. One other that I would throw out there is Mason Rudolph. Uh, yeah. Just with the, I mean, you're he the did Steelers. improve. He did improve, like, because I remember he got benched for Hodges or he got hurt. One of the two, yeah. I forget. And I mean, then, um, I think he got whacked in the head, if I remember correctly. <laughs> <laughs> no, when he came back and that week 17 game, like, he looked a lot better. And he, you know, he was way more comfortable. He was confident. He was, he improved on a couple of the issues I had from him coming out. So it's not a terrible shot, I don't think. I think another thing with that is, like we talked about <laughs> earlier in the pod, like the uncertainty at quarterback for the Steelers. I mean, they're going to be a good team this year. They're going to be in the playoffs, if not right. Right there for the playoffs. I mean, I, I think there's almost – I don't want to say no way, but I think there's a really, really good chance they make the playoffs. Um, and they're, they're not going to be in position to really take Ben's successor, even if Ben ends up st- – like, I don't even – I think this is it for Ben. Can, from a Steelers perspective, you follow the team more than I do. Is Ben really going to be there past this year? Probably not. I thought he wasn't going to be there two years ago, so. Right. <laughs> so – to have the guy that's right now the backup to him and he's, you know, going to be now, what, his third season or fourth season? So, like, he's right in that area where it's like, okay, like, you've learned under Ben long enough. Like, it's your time to take the reins. We don't have a pick here to really replace you. I mean, I think it's – you can get him for pretty much nothing. I don't – if he's on a roster, it won't take much. I don't know. I think that Mason's kind of a bait, though. I, whether Ben comes back or Ben is gone, I, I don't think that the Steelers are going to have him as the guy. Um, I guess the last one I kind of want to talk about, he's not really a backup, kind of more in that Jimmy G scenario is Drew Locke. I'm not really a huge Drew Locke guy, but I do think the hate has gone a little bit too far for Drew Locke. Um, the guy yeah, has but- arm talent, and the guy has had some good games. He just hasn't really been able to put it all together. The total package. And have you seen him dance on the sidelines? <laughs> like, I don't necessarily think that he will be the guy in Denver. But in terms of someone that, if we're going to talk about the Ryan Tannehill, who maybe goes to a really talented offense where he just kind of has to make easy throws and easy decisions. And, and you know, you have like a, a Derrick Henry at running back, let's say, and you're doing a lot of play action. Well, of all these backup quarterbacks that we listed, I think Drew Locke could actually be that dude. Um, I like that a lot. I, I like that a lot. I've always been a Drew Locke fan. I think he has all the arm talent in the world, and it's just really getting the, you know, the head on his shoulders straight away and like really teaching him how to play this game rather than just like winging the ball down the field and just beating people with your arm. I think that's I'm a really sound, good shout, man. I'm going to sound like a hater this pod once he, I'm good off Drew Locke. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, but his price though, for making. his price, the price for upside. What like what is the price what, for Drew Lock? Jake, you own Drew Lock. What okay, let's just say you you thought that not that you thought he sucked, but like I guess you wanted to sell him for his current market price. What is Drew Lock's current fair market price? I mean, probably a back end second, maybe a early third. I don't think I would take anything less. But like okay, at the same so maybe I maybe I thought his price is a little bit lower than. I didn't say his price I mean, is like probably early third. Yeah, pro- his price is probably an early third. I'll pull it up on Keep Trade Cut. Yeah, but I'm quick. not I'm not taking Drew Locke over over Mond. I don't think, and Mond is at an early third right now, or maybe even a Davis Ma- Mills. Mond, Mond's probably early. I mean, late second. Davis Mills is probably around the range where uh, Locke is. If not, so, Locke might be slightly higher. Okay, um, I guess I thought that Drew Locke's price was a little bit lower then, so... So, th- Drew Locke's price pretty much lines up between, with about <laughs> 301, so... Yeah. Well, what what happens... Now, here's the thing with Drew Locke, right? What if Teddy Bridgewater comes in day one as the starter? Like, his price probably goes down. Like, what what does it go... Because that's, I guess, when I would want to buy Drew Locke if I was, if was going to buy... I'm not paying an early third for Drew Locke. Fuck that. Um, I think if I could pick him up for like a fourth at some point or like a late third, that's when I would pull the trigger. That's fair. I mean, like the thing with Drew Locke is it's like really hard to like, you know, to really sell a quarterback that's been a starter for the past two years for a fourth round pick. Like, obviously, oh yeah, you're yeah. not doing it. You're not doing obviously, it. Obviously, right right? you're not. You're not selling the fourth round pick until he's completely benched for Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> Um, Even then, like, I have a guy like Trubisky. I think that's another guy we should put on this backup quarterback list is Mitch Trubisky, by the way. Maserati um, Mitch? Yeah, Maserati Mitch. We all know how I like my Maserati. Um, I mean, Mitch had a few good games. Like, we've seen Mitch put up 40-point fantasy performances. Like, we've seen him do everything you want in a quarterback. He's just never been able to be consistent. And honestly, he's looked like, like shit the past year and a half, pretty much. So, oh. like... But now he, he has – he's going to – the thing with Mitch is he's just been such a wild card. You never know what he's going to do. What is his price but, right now, you think? Fourth. Like, See, that that's – I want Drew Locke to get into that territory, in the Mitch Trubisky territory so before I So pretty much once he becomes a full-time backup. I, there was another one I just completely forgot of, and this has way more to do with this situation than him, so maybe it's not as valid. Um, Jacob Eason. Nah, fuck Jacob Eason. Listen, again, it's not because of his talent. I'm just going to tell you. There's Well, first off, who do you think wins that backup job? Jacob Eason or Sam Ellinger? Is it Ellinger or Ellinger? I'm not sure. I, I think that Ellinger is more ta- Not more talent. I, I think that Ellinger is better. Uh, Eason has more talent. The guy can throw the ball a mile. E- Eason okay. has Eason's the more physical talent, but in terms of what you want as a backup quarterback, it's the guy that's going to come in and not lose you the game. And that's Ellinger because he's a smart okay quarterback so well who, whoever ends up being the coach could be two i mean for two reasons one um we all know carson wentz's injury history um at any given moment obviously he's behind a way better o-line now um so i think i think he'll be healthy for the most part but i mean obviously it's still Wentz. i think the second thing which is kind of the more important part is you got to remember if the carson wentz experiment is not working out they're not gonna just let him play 75 percent of those season snaps um and give up a first instead of a second if like they that's see what I, say. I think 
if they're out of the playoff race, they're just going to bench him so they keep the first. No doubt. I just – it's a real interesting thought. And I brought that up when this trade originally happened. So, I think he's going to have a short leash. So, yeah. So, whoever is that backup QB could get some starts those last couple weeks of the season. That's interesting. Um, that's why I say it's not so much the talent. It's more the situation. <clears throat> what about Glennon? Glennon. He looked all right some games last year for the yes. Wars. He's a definition of a backup quarterback. You know, he's whatever. But it's what it is. I like Colt yeah, McCoy as a true backup that the Giants had last year. I was kind of upset he went to Arizona, but it's fine. Backup quarterbacks. Yeah, but Colt McCoy yeah. wasn't bad. I think that's going to do it here for the backup quarterbacks. I'm looking at the list. I still like Case Keenum, but once again, it's kind of like the whole arm talent thing. Like, he just doesn't Case have Keenum's an NFL a, starter arm. You know, he's, a, he's a good backup quarterback. I don't think he's a guy that, like, you really go out and get just because I, he's I, not going to do much. I'd have him on my roster if I was a Baker Mayfield owner. Um, if I'm not, I don't really have interest. I mean, right now, the Saints quarterbacks, it's like – they're like in a true composition. It's almost more like the the Broncos scenario where both of them aren't there's not really a true backup yet. And there might not really be one for the beginning of the season. Like even when someone's named the starter, they're gonna have a short leash, whoever it is. Um, yeah. Um so I mean if Jason knows the starter, obviously Jameis is on that list. But Ian Book. Hundred percent. Ian Book. Wet like I'm book. Notre Dame legend. Joe Flacco on the Eagles. Any love for elite level Joe Flacco? Uh, He's the best receiver really. on the team. Garrett Gilbert maybe on be. the Cowboys when he, he almost went in and beat the Steelers. <laughs> I forgot about that game. Give that me Danucci. Game. Ben Danucci. They just brought in Brett Hundley for a workout today. So I don't know if they're super confident in their backup QB situation. All right, well... With that, with that being said, I think that'll do us for do it from us here. Jeez, I can't speak anymore. Good time to end the episode, I guess. Um, if you made it this far, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. If you're watching on Twitch, hit us with a follow. Watching on the tube, hit us with a subscribe. Write, rate, review, comment. We respond to all the comments. Um, love you guys and peace out. See you guys. Thanks for listening. <laughs>